experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. Here in America, we don't tolerate that kind of crap, sir. The Michael Groff Show. Now the only thing anybody's going to remember me for after I die is being that blind guy. Zip code famous Michael Groff Show. You couldn't open a French whore's legs with a wheel of cheese. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. Michael Graff. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? Because you know I've updated it to include all white guys who add Izzle to anything. Screw charity. Man, and you know, I pledged $50 to stop diabetes, and then I found out that there's still diabetes. And I'm, I'm like, what? Man, talk about a ripoff. Zip code famous Michael Graff show. There's an old saying in Tennessee that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. A theologist might refer to him as a practical joke from God. A sociologist may refer to him as the voice of reason in a cesspool of humanity. While a philosopher may find him to be the ill-advised punchline to the universe. Or maybe that's a punching bag. Whatever. But of course, you know him as the host of the Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. Got to relearn all the buttons and switches and all the different things in here. You know, hey. All right, welcome in. We're back. Yes, another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show. You probably thought I was just going to do one episode and then disappear again for months and months at a time. But no, I'm back. Proved you wrong. It's um, it's me. It's Mike. It's uh, Thursday, September 13th, 2012. Oh, man, there's so much to get to, so much to talk about on the show today. I uh, I don't even know really where to begin, except I guess we'll go to the contact information first. If you want to get in touch with this program, you can always do so. Email address is mike at kmgx.com. That's mike at kmgx.com. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Groff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. On Twitter, it's at Michael Groff. So, yes, Michael Groff. Twitter.com slash Michael Groff. For me, um, Google Talk, if you have Gtalk, Groff Show is the place to go for that. And I know we have... The list of contact information is almost as long as uh, Coast to Coast AM. West of the Rockies... Unbelievable. It's going to take like an, an hour. The, the podcast will just be the contact info. All of our other contact information and so much more is available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can check out the latest shows that we post. You can subscribe to this program so that whenever we post a brand new podcast, you will get an email. You'll get a notification that, hey, there's a new show. Check it out. And, uh, of course, you can always post comments, your reaction, chat with other people about this here fine program, and so much more, all up and available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. And I'm exhausted from that. Can I go home now? Is that it? <laughs> all right. I did mention there's a lot to get into. Um... We obviously didn't have a show here on September 11th, although I was 
doing a show into the wee hours of the morning、uh, that day. But I,、uh, I have to talk about this. I just I want to get into this a little bit. I, it was the 11th, and again, I don't really know a better word to use. So, this is, I don't really like the word anniversary to describe this, but it's the only word I can think of. It was the 11th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. And obviously,、um, a lot of shows did a lot of tributes. And I said to myself, I wasn't even going to listen. I wasn't even going to bother watching TV or listen to the radio or anything because I figured that. A, a lot of it would just be political stuff. And that's just not a day to go through all the politics of it. You know, especially when you consider that it was a broad based governmental failure. And for one party to point the finger at another party is completely ridiculous when both parties were equally complicit in dropping the ball. On September 11th. And I'm not even going to rehash all the facts about that.、Um, but regardless, it was,、uh, it was just a broad based failure. And to deny that is, well, it's just silly. So there was that. I, I really didn't want to, but of course, I couldn't resist. I couldn't help myself. So I, I wound up listening to a lot of radio that day, actually. I even watched a little bit of TV. And look, I had no problem with. The media showing the towers being hit by the planes.、It、hardly saw it though. I mean, you saw, you mostly you just saw the, the towers ablaze and, and all that, the,、uh, the World Trade Center, and a little bit of the fire from the Pentagon and all that. But you really didn't see a whole lot of,、um, of the planes flying into the buildings again. And I know that it evokes a lot of emotion. I know that it's,、uh, it's a very hot topic. I know that it can be political and it can get very heated. And that there are problems and there are issues. And、uh, look, I, I understand that. I understand that it's a, it's, a, it's a huge thing. That said, I, I checked out a lot of the tribute shows, and really, most of them weren't bad. It really wasn't a,、uh, a terrible thing until, until the evening. And, and I started it, maybe I was just getting worn down, but then I decided I, I turned over to Glenn Beck. I don't know why. And I, I'm not, you know, I listen to a lot of different shows. I listen to liberal talk radio, conservative talk radio, libertarian guys. I, I, I check out podcasts. I, I do a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of different radio. I listen to a lot of different media because I'm, I'm, always, I'm always trying to check out what other people are talking about.、Um, sometimes it's even good show prep for this show. And I'll, I'll even give you a, a good indication of that later on. I've got something that's. A much more lighthearted, but I, I, have to,、uh, I have to talk about later on. But before I get to that, so I hear Glenn Beck, and he opens his show with this 9 11 tribute, like this, this montage of clips.、Uh, it was clips from the news, clips from the flight recordings from flight,、uh, United Flight 93 and the other ones, and、um, even clips from his own show from 9 11 2001. And I. I thought, okay, you know, that's fine, whatever. And he opens his show, and there's a video that goes along with this. Now, I didn't see the video initially, but then I came home and I, I wanted to re listen to that first segment because I couldn't believe it. The show opens with him crying 
you, you see him there too. Like he, he's got the, while the, while the montage is rolling, he's doing the face palm thing. And then when he, uh, when he opens his show, he starts doing his monologue. He's crying and his words are very, very paused, very spread out, spaced apart. And it's, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I understand 9-11 invokes, uh, evokes rather, a lot of emotion. It, uh, it, it makes some people very angry. Some people do cry. A lot of people know somebody that died or somebody that was affected, families of people that lost somebody on 9-11. And certainly the aftermath and the wars that we got into and all of that. Uh, so obviously, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of, a lot of feelings that come out of it. And I don't want to sound like I'm somebody that's dismissive here. And I, I, I'm willing to tell you right now, before I even say anything else, I could be very wrong about this. I like to think I I read people very well. Uh, Very rarely do I misread somebody or misread a situation. It happens. I'm willing to admit that. And I'm, I'm coming at you right now telling you I could be dead wrong about this. But I heard Glenn Beck, and my first reaction when when I heard him doing that was just, oh, puke. What a phony. I mean, I have the audio. I can play it for you. I really thought the guy was being completely disingenuous. I honestly did. I'm not saying that he doesn't feel something. I mean, you'd have to be a completely soulless, heartless, cold individual to not have emotion or not feel something, particularly on 9-11, especially, you know, 2001. And even years later, I think inside, most people have some type of emotion and, and something that they feel from it. So, And I'm not saying that people still don't cry about it. Glenn Beck, the reason I, I say that I, I think the guy is is just a phony is because I remember him on the air in Phoenix, Arizona. Back in the mid to late 80s, he was on Y95 in Phoenix. He hosted a morning zoo. It was the, he was Glenn Beck and Tim Hattrick hosted the Y95 morning zoo. I mean, the guy was one of these zookeeper dudes who hosted a wacky morning show, the wacky morning voice and all the gimmicks and all the sound effects and, and all the, you know, battle of the sexes and all those bits and hey, high energy and all this uh, phony stuff. And before that, Glenn Beck was this radio host that did that. And after he left Phoenix, you know, he went on, he did that same shtick elsewhere. And then he, he started doing a talk show sometime well after that, about 10 years later or whatever. And I know that he, even in his monologue, he says he found God in 1999 and I remember the first time I ever heard his radio show, his, his talk show was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or whatever, 11 years ago, maybe. And I remember he would say something about God here and there and sprinkle it in gingerly. And I know that he became more and more conservative. He went from kind of a libertarian guy-esque sort of thing. He became very conservative and the ratings started going up and he got more affiliates. And then they started to drop again about three years ago. So now the guy goes out and he does all these public appearances where he basically does sermons almost. He does political talk and sermons out in like, 
out, out at these public events that he hosts, these marches and these rallies and all this stuff. And he's just all about God and he's just putting God up in your face and it's Bible thumping time, big time. And, and it's just, it's so over the top. And now I, I think he's trying to really get that audience back and trying to build that hard right Christian conservative audience that can really sympathize with all that stuff. And I mean, he gets some very, very, very hardcore folks. And that's fine. Listen, I don't, I don't care. I understand that talk radio is entertainment. Talk radio hosts are entertainment first, informative second. Actually, they're entertainment first, persuasive second, informative third. And they're driven by ratings because ratings mean higher confiscatory ad rates that they can get. And that means more money. And that means they stay on the air. And I understand that. So there are a lot of people in this business that are not what they say they are on the air. There are a lot of conservative guys that are really liberals. There are, there are liberal guys that go on the air and they act liberal, but they're really conservative or they're libertarian. I know that. It's, it's show business. But I, I, it just, again, I'm willing to say I could be wrong, but man, did it rub me the wrong way when I saw this dude, I, I heard his show and then I watched the video and I'm listening to his monologue and it just sounds phony. It, it does. So I'm going to play just a little bit of the audio. And look, I, if I'm wrong, go ahead and call me out on it. But I just remember the zookeeper, the wacky morning show guy. And I'm not saying you can't be both. I'm not saying you can't be a wacky morning show guy and believe in God and, and have a serious side to you. But I, I know this business well enough to know when somebody is trying to snow the audience. And I really feel that's what's going on here. Because it, this isn't the first time dude has cried on his show before. All right, this is not the first time Glenn Beck has broken down and just bawled on the air. He did one of those big rallies a few years back in Washington, D.C. And I don't know, a bunch of people showed up. 50,000 people showed up. He got a, a, he got a lot of people. He did. I mean, his show is still, it's on a lot of affiliates. A couple hundred, I, I don't know. So he got quite a few people, quite a few of these uh, conservative folks to show up at his rally and then he comes on the air the next day and he, he the microphone opens and he's he's just sobbing and look i i am by no means some alpha male above tears kind of person whatsoever i'm not some insensitive jackass like you might think i am for for lambasting this guy but it just seems so fake it does Here's a little bit of Glenn Beck from his show from the other day. And you you tell me you tell me if I'm uh you tell me if I'm wrong. That never seems to get easier. We produced that for the first anniversary. It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2012. 
I'm Glenn Beck. But I'm a different man than I was eleven years ago. I'm a little pudgier. I'm older. I have much more gray hair. My daughters are in college. He's wearing those big, thick glasses. I have two younger children that weren't alive at the time. I don't know. I love my wife even more deeper today than I did when we first got married. And pretty soon he works God into this whole rap eventually. Long, long pauses. I got dressed this morning and I thought, I'm a completely different man than I was in 2001. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have found God in Here we 99. Go. Yeah. So my journey was a little easier. Every year when I hear it's Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, and my name is Glenn Beck. I remember saying those words. Every year when he hears his own voice. Trying to be strong. Mm -hmm. Project confidence. Give people a sense that we were going to be okay. Yeah. But I was freaking out just as much as the next guy. Somebody called me on the air that day and said, who did this? What's happening? I didn't have a single answer. Right. But I promised that listener the same thing I promised God that night. Oh, boy. I'll do my best. You promise God you'd I'll give an answer? I'll find out what's going on. And I'll alert. I won't go back to sleep. <sighs> I'll be up to the task. I will finish the job. Right. I will teach my children. I'm a different man 
I mean, it sounds so rehearsed, too. Takes his glasses off. I'm sure you feel the same way. But there are many days that I think. (sighs) It's too hard. Look, this guy has a nationally syndicated show. I just want to point out. I'm tired of being a pariah. Let me pause that. Even though there's enough space in between there, I could get in whole sentences. But anyway, this guy has a nationally syndicated show. He's on hundreds of affiliates, okay? And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's a phone. I'm well, I am saying he's a phony. I don't know if that's really put on or not. I don't know. But it sure sounds like it. And you know how what else I can tell you about these guys? Some of these guys like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and some of these these dudes. The other thing that makes me really doubt their credibility as as broadcasters when they come on the air and try and, and sell me a load of bull that how how weepy they are and all this. I look on their website and I see that all they're doing is hawking themselves and their merchandise and the nine twelve uh, fund and all this different or the nine you can become a nine twelver. And that's like Glenn Beck's thing of so, you know, right after 9-11, obviously the next day is 9-12. And so that, that's like something that you subscribe to and you get like newsletters and stuff and you can uh, you can sign up and be a part of his, his uh, Glenn Beck TV and his pay site and all this other stuff and uh, be a member uh, and get newsletters and tchotchkes. You know, Glenn Beck, he's another one of these dudes that sells stuff on his website, tchotchkes and all this stuff. He has a news service called The Blaze. I think that's actually free. But he does sell, like, uh, his his TV cast and his, his he has, like, I don't know, shirts and merchandise and all this different stuff. Listen. Yeah, just like Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh will put his name on anything and he'll sell it. And then you're supposed to think that the person has credibility... Understand, I have no problem with somebody putting their name on a hat or a shirt or something and selling it. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, I don't have a problem with somebody selling a book that they wrote. It's a book. You put a lot of effort into it. I understand that. But when you start selling mouse pads and mugs and, and uh, I don't know, keychains and key rings and, and uh, chairs and... Stuff like that, and you'll just put your name on anything. It really takes away the, your credibility. When you're a former zookeeper, a former morning show, wacky morning show guy, and you go on the air and you proclaim how, how much you found God, and it, it, it's all of the sudden, it's this sudden surge of God, and it's this sudden surge. It's, it's like every day is a friggin' sermon on the radio. And you're this super conservative guy. And um, as far as I know, there's no like criminal history with, I mean, I know he's like, he was an alcoholic, uh, like a chronic alcoholic, like 30 years ago. I know that about the guy. He had a real problem, like a legitimate problem. And I think there was something about pills or something else too. Like he was really, he was very strung out years and years ago. I have no problem with somebody finding God. I have no problem with somebody sharing it on the radio. I I just think the whole, the tone, and that's the thing, is the tone sounds very BS to me. And I'm hearing this, and listen, I've heard stuff all day, and I've heard people get emotional. I heard a woman call in, and she talks about how she was in New York at the time. And, you know, her father worked at the World Trade Center. 
and she didn't hear from him all day and finally she did and he was okay but you know he was he got covered in debris when the buildings collapsed and you know, I'm listening to this radio, this woman talking to her, and she's crying and stuff. And you know what? I, I didn't get the BS meter from that. That's That was very sincere. And I'm not saying you even had to have been directly affected like that to be emotional. But Glenn Beck, I just, you put it all together. You put the tchotchkes and the selling and the marketing and, and the sudden finding of God and, and the, the former life as a zookeeper. And, you know, and when I say, zoo, again, for those of you that don't know, when I say zookeeper, I mean a, a, the, one of these morning show, morning zoo type people who used to do the wacky gimmicky stuff and the weird sound effects and the <laughs> all that stuff. When you put it all together, it just... Something about it is just, it just smells. It passes, it passes by your nose. It's like it, 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 it wafts up at you. It punches you in the face and you go, ugh. So, and I'm not even, I'm not a Glenn Beck hater before you, uh, you just fly off at me. I'm not a Glenn Beck hater. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I'm not a hater. I listen to his show just like I listen to a whole bunch of other shows, conservative, liberal, all this stuff. Because I'm a radio person. I, I like to listen to other shows. I like to know what's going on. But I mean, I listen to this and I, there's just something about it when I heard this and I, I thought I'd share it with you and I, I presented it to you. I wanted you to at least hear some of it. Should we, should we play a little bit more? There's a little bit more of Glenn Beck doing his opening monologue from 9-11 of this year, you know, just the other day, Tuesday. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get anything else out of it, but. I held my hand of my son. Oh boy. In Anchorage, Alaska. We had been talking about fishing and coming up bear hunting It was a good boys weekend this last weekend. This lady accosted me in the street. Started yelling at me. We don't want you in your town. Get out of our town. We don't want you here. You're a hater. I told you yesterday that I just turned to her and I said, I love you. Boy, I didn't want to say that. But that's what came out. It didn't, believe me, I didn't think of it. I just kept repeating it as she was screaming on the streets at me. Do you believe this at all? Finally turned around and walked away. As I told you yesterday, my son... had been whisked away by... Somebody, he doesn't really understand why we have security 24 hours a day. He's just starting to learn. That's the other thing. Glenn Beck, now he walks around out in this, on the, when he's walking around in the street or when he goes someplace, he has bodyguards with him all the time. You know, like somebody is really going to go and attack Glenn Beck. Like someone is really going to go up to Glenn Beck and punch him in the face or something or accost him. I mean, Howard Stern doesn't walk around with, with bodyguards 24-7 or at all. And he says things that are 10 times more controversial than Glenn Beck. And he's 10 times the controversial. And he has 10 times the audience that Glenn Beck has. 
and Rush Limbaugh, even Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, those guys, they don't walk around with, with bodyguards all the time. Of course, I, as far as I know, Rush Limbaugh, the only time he leaves his house is to go to like to the Dominican Republic or something and uh, have a lot of fun down there. And he doesn't tell us what kind of fun he's having or what he's up to, but uh, he's, uh, he's down there <laughs> partying or doing whatever. I don't know of any other radio guy that has security and bodyguards with him all the time. I mean, I don't know. I might be wrong. Maybe maybe Bill O'Reilly does. I, I, But as far as I know, because I know, I mean, I've seen uh, some of these other guys make appearances. They don't have bodyguards all the time. They don't have security people with them all the time. But Glenn Beck does. And he talks about it all the time. Oh, I was, I was in New Orleans. And uh, I couldn't believe somebody walked by me. There, it was a... It was a dark gentleman. Um, I, th- the, I think they call them African American or something. And he, he was walking on the same side of the street as I was. And my, um, my five security guys uh, all gathered around me. And they made sure to protect my wallet. My, my wife and kids don't really uh, understand this whole thing. They're just learning. Glenn, it's a black person. It's okay. You can walk down the street with them. They're, you know, uh, generally speaking, even in New Orleans, you're not going to get mugged. Well, I don't know. And this lady, she was yelling at me. I'd have, my son was whisked away. I was, I was amazed that a woman was even out of the kitchen and that she was speaking to a man without give, you know, having permission. This was, this was fascinating to me. I couldn't believe it. Glenn, it's just, it's a, it's a woman. You're on the radio, believe it or not. Yeah, there might be a person that might want to confront you about your, your views or something. I mean, it happens. I, I, first of all, I doubt that the story is even true. But even if it is, like the dude's like, I had to have my son whisked, whisked away because I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, it's a woman. A woman walked up to me. I, she, might have, she might have accosted me. He, I like how he uses the word, she accosted me. So did she hit you? No, she yelled at me. That's not being accosted. When I think of being accosted, I think of like, if I said to, if I said to somebody, I was accosted on the street, that would mean somebody walked up to me on the street and punched me in the face or grabbed me and threw me down to the ground. Accosted, assaulted. Okay, verbally accosted. But I mean, he didn't say verbally, just a woman accosted me. She said some bad things and all I could say to her was uh, I love you and I didn't want to say that I I really didn't come on get over yourself you're in Anchorage Alaska I mean how how violent do you think the people in Anchorage Alaska it's a woman that walks up to you're a dude you shouldn't be afraid I'm sorry but you really shouldn't be afraid of some woman walking up to you on the street I mean, I know you're not that much in shape. I know you're not a really huge guy. But I mean, A, you have all these security people around you. B, you're just, you're, you're a guy. You shouldn't be afraid of just some random woman walking. I was afraid. I was afraid some, somebody let her out of the kitchen. She was a wild beast. She might attack me with a frying pan. I couldn't believe it. He always tells these stories about how he's out someplace and he has, he has people with him. And they, this, what, he told this story on the air once about how, you know, he was in New Orleans, I was telling you, and, and uh, <laughs> some black person walked by him and he got freaked out. 
And then his security people, like, th- they, they, they whisked him into a van right away. We'll protect you, Mr. Beck. <laughs> like, I can't, this guy is unreal, this Glenn Beck. With the, see, this is why I think he's a phony. You understand? Like, at the very least, he, he's very self-important. No other radio personality has, you know, a bunch of security guards that are with him. As he, he even says himself, 24-7. You're really that afraid? You think that what you say is that radical? That you have to have people protecting you 24-7? You really think you're that out there? I mean, yeah, you're a nutcase, but there's a million nutcases on the radio. I mean, these days, they'll give just about anybody, except me, a radio show. If you're extreme enough, if you're wacky enough, they'll give you a radio show. If you're Mike, Mike Malloy goes on the air and yells about he wishes people were dead. He wishes Rush Limbaugh would choke to death on his own throat fat. Mike Malloy, I mean, nobody's ever heard of him, but, you know, he can walk down the street just fine. Nobody's going to accost him. <sighs> Come on. Get over yourself. Hell, Keith Olbermann was more hated than you. He walked down the street just fine. He doesn't need bodyguard bodyguards. <laughs> of course, this is the guy who's on his radio show. He's always selling you like um, he, he does those uh, that you can buy like a year's supply of food. He does that that whole scam, that thing where you can buy a year's supply of food. You never know when the when Armageddon will happen. In these troubled times, you know, it could happen at any point where we could be without major services for weeks and months at a time, maybe years. F- uh, food Supply Inc. has just what you need, a year's supply of food. He sells that. He sells like these survival packs. He's another one of these dudes that's always selling gold. I want people to, you, you need to buy gold. Call Goldline or whatever, one of those sponsors. Call gold. Uh, call call this uh, company and buy some gold. And buy, I don't think that's a bad idea necessarily. But you know he's he goes on the air. And he, he's like this alarmist. Yeah, you know who should probably actually have bodyguards that's on the radio. That Alex Jones, that guy, that guy that's always you know doing the conspiracy stuff. That guy might. I mean, if he's if he really believes in the conspiracy stuff that he says on the air, that guy should have bodyguards with him all the time. Although, then again, he's a he's a big guy. He's a big fat guy, but he he looks like he might be able to kick somebody's ass. Glenn Beck just looks like you know an old frail guy. He he's actually he's starting to morph into like Alex Trebek almost. But uh, come on. Do I dare play more of this? Or should I, should I stop? All right, I'll, a little more. He said, why did that lady say those things, Dad? Each of my children have asked that question. And I answer it each time, the first time for each of them, the same way. Your dad says things that he believes. Oh, come on. That a lot of people don't like. And even more people don't want to hear. But I say them because I believe them to be true. And that's the most important thing that we can do. 
It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to <sighs> our country. You're no different from any other conservative Our host. God. Right. Our, go- our God. Our children. Right. And our neighbors. Uh-huh. It's why it's written as our first right that the government can never take away. Well, not not precisely, but... Yeah. It's the most important thing. Right. To be able to follow the dictates of your spirit. Uh-huh. To worship the God of your understanding and speak and stand with everything in you. Mm. I don't know what I did most of my life before September 11th. Drank. But I can tell you I'm amazed at what I have done since September 11th. Made a lot of money. I want you to take an inventory of what you've accomplished in the last 11 years. And if it's not a huge, long list of how you've changed for the better, then maybe you should go back and evaluate, did you keep your promise that we all made that night? That we all made? No. I, I didn't fulfill my promise. Because we're all tired. Right. I didn't stab Osama bin Laden in the face. Somebody else beat me to it. But the good news is... Yeah. He's getting to it. What I said on September 11th. Nothing. <laughs> he's crying again. Will destroy us. Except for ourselves. Remains true today. How are we doing on that front? Okay. All right. So that was, that's like, that was his opening monologue from his show. I can't believe I played the whole thing, but I, I, I really, I wanted you to hear it. I wanted to see if I'm completely wrong. It's not the only kind of fake uh, 9-11 monologue tribute thing, but that was really the most egregious thing I heard. And from a guy that I think is just full of baloney all the time anyway. I'm not saying I, I, that he never says anything I, I, I don't agree with. I'm not saying that he's never once said an agreeable point. Um, he has. I just, I have to have security on me all the time. 24-7. Dad, why, why did that woman say such things to you? Do you believe that happened? I mean, really? I don't know if I do. I don't buy it. And I'm not buying your, your, your Glenn Beck TV either, just so you know. <sighs> All right, look, that was, uh, that was the Glenn Beck thing from the other day. I, just, I thought I'd get that out there and just talk about that a little bit. Look, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. <laughs> I know I've, I've, really, uh, I've really blown this uh, opening segment wide open on time, but I, I really just, I had to get that off my chest. It was just, my hair was on fire. My, what's left of it was on fire. Um, we have a lot of stuff. Uh, Barack Obama makes a, kind of a gaffe, in a sense. He calls Egypt not an ally, which I actually agree with. But if they're not our ally, why are we sending them $2 billion in foreign aid? See, they've got a new government that they're putting in place over there in Egypt. This Muslim Brotherhood is taking over. 
And Barack Obama made a, a statement last night saying that Egypt is not really our ally. They're not really our enemy, but we, we just don't know yet. And, and I, I, listen, it's actually something that Barack Obama said that I, I, in a sense I agree with. It wasn't very presidential, but I do agree with it. He says um, that Egypt, he calls the government, quote, a work in progress and emphasized that the United States is counting on the government of Egypt to, um, to better protect the U.S. embassy. I mean, that's what we're really concerned about is our embassy over there. Because, of course, yesterday we had uh, our Libyan embassy was attacked and uh, one of our big ambassadors, uh, this J. Christopher Stevens, was killed. More on that in just a minute. But Barack Obama's over there saying, um, quote, I don't think we would consider them an ally, but we don't consider them an enemy. Quote, they're a new government that is trying to find its way. They were democratically elected. I think that we are going to have to see how they respond to this incident. That comment had Egypt watchers scrambling, uh, rather scratching their heads, especially since technically Egypt was designated as a major non-NATO ally in 1989 when Congress first passed the law creating the status. Now, I agree with Obama in a sense. I mean, Egypt... They took $1.5 billion a year in foreign aid prior to this past uh, couple of years where, I mean, we've ramped, we'd since ramped it, ramped it up to about $2 billion. We gave that Hosni Mubarak for 30 years, we gave him billions and billions of dollars, all, like $70 billion in foreign aid, most of which he kept for himself. We, we called Egypt an ally, and the only reason we did that was because we were playing politics. We did that so we could have access to the Suez Canal. We did that because they're the only ones that didn't want to destroy Israel completely, or so they said. They were sort of neutral on Israel, or maybe slightly against them, but pretty much neutral. So we we did that so we could have our embassy there. Maybe we could even sneak a base into Egypt and, and use them as sort of a, uh, a staging post for any uh, operations that we did in the Middle East. That's why we call them an ally and that's i guess why we sent them foreign aid but with allies like egypt who really needs enemies i mean the president is kind of right actually that said it is a it's considered a gaffe because egypt is technically listed as our ally so it's in terms of an international incident in terms of international policy this is a screw-up by barack obama i mean even though he's being honest even though he's he's accurate you don't say it you don't say well we don't know what you say is, we have supported Egypt in the past. They have been our ally. They are a NATO, a, a non-NATO ally. They have been for the last 23 years. You don't give any indication as to how you feel at the moment, aside from you just say that you've been, we've been a supporter. And we do, uh, you, you know, we, you might want to also include that, you know, we did just send $2 billion in foreign aid there. It's in the budget. We continue to give nations that probably don't like us very much foreign aid. The fact that we give anybody foreign aid is just sad. Quote, ally is a legal term, an art. We don't have a mutual defense treaty with Egypt like we do with our NATO allies. But as the president has said, Egypt is longstanding and close partner of the United States. And we have built on the foundation by supporting Egypt's transition to democracy and working with the new government. That's the White House uh, spokesperson. Well, Obama didn't say that Egypt has been an ally. He said, we don't know. I don't know. He's, he's like saying, look, I don't know, man. They're not an enemy. They're not a friend. 
They're there right now. We're going to see what happens, which is the honest thing to say. It's not the presidential thing to say. It's not the right thing to say, but it's actually the honest thing to say. So, see, I can understand. So he's, he's gotten a lot of criticism for saying that. And I understand the criticism, but it's, it's one of the few times I will say Barack Obama was being honest. When, how often do you hear me give Obama kudos? This is maybe the third time. Once when he said that college football needs a, a playoff system, I agreed with him on that. What were the other things? I know there was other stuff. We'll have to go through the list. There was actually, there were times I paid him a, a compliment when I said he was right. Yeah, he called, there was a, a heckler. He called him a, well, no, he called um, uh, Kanye West. He called Kanye West a jackass. <laughs> that was good. So the president got some points for that. And uh, I, do, I do want to mention, too, we did have a, an attack on our embassy in Libya yesterday. We had some protesters. Despite reports to the contrary, uh, a lot of these protesters, this, this wasn't like the entire country coming down on our embassy. Uh, this wasn't even necessarily uh, a, a sign of Libya hating the United States. Although I don't really know how the people feel about us. I know they're not real keen on us, but... This appeared to be some type of leftover Al-Qaeda sympathizers, maybe even Al-Qaeda themselves, or a similar group there too, or maybe even Gaddafi sympathizers left over. Either way, a bunch of people went into the embassy in Libya. They, dr they dragged out four people, including our uh, ambassador, the U.S. ambassador, this J. Christopher Stevens. They, dra they drug him out of there, dragged him out of there. And uh, I guess beat him to death, killed him, and then dragged him through the streets. That's what you get from the backwards people that still inhabit the Middle East. And a lot of them are. Ally or not. Obama praised the work of Stevens, said he was, quote, a courageous and exemplary representative of the United States. Everything I read about this J. Christopher Stevens, the guy, he was a really a good guy. And it's very sad. Leaves behind friends, family. It's, it's look. You couldn't pay me enough money. I, I wouldn't take a hundred million dollars to be a U.S. ambassador to Libya. I wouldn't be a U.S. ambassador to any one of those Middle Eastern countries. Are you kidding? Not even Saudi Arabia. No way. You couldn't pay me enough. I'd have a hard. I wouldn't even necessarily want to be the ambassador to Spain. It sounds like a really crap job, to be honest with you. You're sort of a go-between, a mouthpiece to the U.S., and you're going over into territory where, frankly, a lot of them hate us. Even places that don't hate us, we're still not exactly welcome with open arms. Oh, you're an ambassador to the U.S., huh? Italy, Germany. I wouldn't want to be an ambassador even in those countries, but especially not in the Middle East. Germany would be all right. I'd even no. I'd go to Spain. I'd be the U.S. ambassador to Spain. But that's about it. That's as far south as I'd go. That's for sure. I would not be venturing into Egypt, Lebanon, Libya, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. Absolutely not. At a press conference on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, Obama continued his praise. "Quote: It's especially tragic that Chris Stevens died in Benghazi because it's a city that he helped to save." That's a sad story. I feel terrible for anybody that has to be over there uh, as, a, as a representative of the United States in any capacity because 
you know you're not welcome. And you know that you're putting your life on the line every time you get on a plane to go over there, every time you step off the plane, every time you, for every moment you sit in that embassy or every moment that you're out talking to the people or trying to coordinate efforts to do anything with people, you could be shot at any second. And it happens to our ambassadors. Hell, our ambassadors are, are frequently, uh, here, here's the word for you, Glenn Beck, they're frequently accosted in Central America, for God's sake, let alone in the Middle East or in Lebanon or Libya or Egypt or any of those godforsaken places in Africa or the Middle East. Holy cow, I would not, that is not something I'd want to do. Yeah, the travel, the beautiful scenery is not worth it. Seeing the pyramids, seeing, uh, well, Libya is just hot-ass desert. I've got hot-ass desert around me here. I don't need to go to desert in another country. Desert is desert. Oh, but Mike, the, the Gobi Desert or the, or the Sahara Desert or, you know, those are beautiful deserts. You know what, man? I'm sure they are. And you know what? If... If this world wasn't such a tumultuous place and if every time I stepped off a plane over there, I wouldn't have to worry about getting shot or blown up, I would probably do it. I'd probably go there. I'd probably go to the Sahara Desert. I'd probably go over and check out, you know, whatever. I'd probably go someplace like that. Hell, if Iraq wasn't the cesspool that it is, if it was just run in a, in a democratic way, if it wasn't constantly in battle, if it wasn't sitting right next to a country that wants to blow it up or wants to take it over, if it wasn't surrounded by hostile individuals, probably wouldn't be a bad place to go and hang out for a while and check it out. Probably very beautiful scenery over there. But that's not the case, see? And I, I don't want to... <laughs> The last thing I want to do is be some hostage to one of these terror groups. Oh, you're now the property of Hezbollah. Congratulations. You wanted to come over here. It's like those guys that were hiking in the mountains of Iraq and a bunch of Iranians just stormed in and took them hostage and said that they were in Iranian territory when they weren't. They were miles, miles from Iran. And they still took them hostage and they used them as bargaining chips and they wanted to just throw it in the face of the U.S., Oh, we've got your guys. We've got your, we've got hikers. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're going to do for their release? We're, they were spies. Sure they were. Yes, we, we can confirm that they were spies walking around in the mountains. What were they doing that for? Well, they were just hanging out. They were just doing some hiking. Who would go to Iraq to hike? These people would. No, they're spies. We're going to cut their heads off. See, that's the kind of mentality that you're dealing with over there. So to be an ambassador and have to put up with that garbage all the time, that is not, that is a, uh, that is a, uh, a thankless job, a horrible job. You couldn't pay me enough. I guarantee you. All right. Well, Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. You know, we just did an entire podcast, basically. Do you know this, this show, we've already, we're already like 50 to 53 minutes or something like that into this show. Just started. I mean, we're just getting started with stuff to talk about. I still have to get into the teacher's strike. You know, I have more information on what the demands of the teachers are uh, in the teacher's strike that's going on in Chicago in its fourth day. Um, still have uh, information about what they're looking for. And listen, I'm not saying all of their demands are bad, although somebody, somebody accused me of kissing the teacher's ass. I'm always kissing teacher's asses. Well... I'm not always kissing teachers' asses. I, I look at things objectively. 
teachers do a hard job. It is a difficult job to be a teacher um, with all of the constraints that are put on you and all the curriculums that you have to adhere to and all the different nonsense and politics that you have to play. It is a difficult job. I understand that. But I, I am not going to sympathize with a group of people that walk away from a 16% pay increase and a lot of other good benefits. And, and some of their demands seem reasonable and some of them are just not. Some of them are just like you crumple up the paper, you just take the contract and you throw it away because it's just really not valid. So also coming up, we've got, uh, let's see, yeah, the stupid news file. We have to get to that. And a basketball coach, a head basketball coach, is ending his 26-year career at a major university. Why would I talk about that? Because he provided some of the greatest material for this show ever. A post-game press conference rant that, uh, well, it's just one of the greatest things ever. Guy had a, a full-on meltdown, and I think somewhat deservedly so. It was good stuff. And maybe we'll even do a new feature the worst song of the week. That and much more coming up. Stick around. The Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. Segment number two, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Thursday, yes, September 13th, 2012, and we've already done enough show for a podcast, so, you know, you're, you're getting bonus coverage. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show is the screen name. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And, uh, of course, Groff Show on uh, Google Talk. And Michael Groff is the, is the name on Twitter, at Michael Groff. And uh, what else? MichaelGroff.com for anything else Michael Groff related. This is hilarious. And I got to tell you, I wish I, wish I had this job. Um, 
I don't know how many. I think we've talked about this guy in the air before. He uh, he was uh, infamous for letting a a curse go out over the air um, a couple of years ago. Mike Francesa. He is a host on WFAN in New York. That's an all sports station. And he is, uh, he's, you know, he's this big fat guy, the big, you know, thick New York accent and all this kind of stuff. Well, uh, he had a little problem once again. <laughs> he's doing an interview with a guy named Sweeney Murty, I guess is his name. Uh, anyway, some WFAN Yankees reporter. And they're talking about baseball. They're talking about the Yankees. And, uh, you know, he's on the air. He's on the radio. And the show is also simulcast on the net, on the Yes Network. So imagine you see Mike Francesa on camera live, and then you see a picture of the guy that he's talking to on the phone. And the guy's talking about the Yankees. Dude on the phone is, you know, he's going on about the Yankees and stuff. And Mike Francesa just falls right to sleep. <laughs> he dozes off. <laughs> he passes right out, man. And he does that thing. And I got to tell you, in, in all the years I've been doing this show, I got to tell you, this, this has happened to me one time. During a break, back in the live show days, I was doing the show. And um, during the breaks, what we did was we ran network spots. And we also ran like uh, like music to fill up the rest of the time if we didn't have enough commercials. So we're in the middle of playing a song. I don't remember what song it was. And uh, and I, I just, I, I dropped my head down. Just like Mike Francesa does here. I dropped my head down and I am I'm passed out for about 45 seconds. And then I do that move, and and if you if you see the video, we should find a way to link to that on our site. Maybe I I'll, I'll work that out when I do the write up for the show. When you see Mike Francesa wake up, he does that move like I did that 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 panicked look on your face, like you're not, you know where you are, and you, you're you know you just fell asleep. Now you're trying to assess, okay, how much time has passed? Does anybody notice? What the hell is going on? I've got to get my bearings back. And what happened was is uh, this dude is on the phone. And and anybody that was listening on the radio would have no idea that it happened. It's not like Mike Francesa started snoring or anything like that. But if you watched on TV, it was very apparent. His head just drops down and he just doses right off. Must be a great gig, man. See, I wouldn't fall asleep during during Yankees talk. I like baseball, so I wouldn't fall asleep. To, but I could understand, like, Mike Franz, he, clearly he doesn't like to talk baseball. Some gig. That's that's a guy on in market number one, folks. That's a guy with a, a talk show in market number one. How many people in this business would kill for that? Dude is like, dude cares so little about it, he's just dozing off during during his own show. Even he's boring himself to death. That's incredible. I love that story. I again, I'd play you the audio, but you really wouldn't hear anything about it. You just hear uh, this dude on the phone, Sweeney Murdy, talking to Mike Francesa. Well, the funny part is, is he's talking about the baseball, and and he talks to Mike, and he he uses his name once in a sentence, and that's what perks Mike wide awake. I guess is that he hears his name. And he's like, uh, and he does, again, he's got that that panicked look like, uh-oh, on his face, you know? And we have to be able to capture that look and put it up on the website. That should be the, uh, that should be the, the, the photo for this episode of the show. <laughs> because a guy falling asleep on the air is always funny, especially if it's televised. It is classic. 
Well, there was that talk show host in uh, when, when they still did Free FM. I think it was up there in San Francisco. Some talk show host fell asleep on their show. They actually fell asleep on the air live. I have tried and tried and tried to get a tape of that. I cannot find a recording of that anywhere. But it did happen. The really weird part about Mike Francesa is that he's on during middays. 10 to 2 or 10 to 3, something like that. So, you can't keep it awake at the noon hour? Really? Come on, man. It's terrible. All right. Uh, Jim Calhoun is retiring. He's calling it a career. The... University of Connecticut men's basketball coach has been coaching there for 26 years. He has taken that franchise, turned it around, and made it a hugely successful operation. He's won three national championships, including 1999, 2004, and 2011. The guy is leaving, though, as the university is under academic... Well, they're under um, probation from the NCAA because of academic cheating that went on among other things. So he's kind of going out on the bottom, I guess. But he's also 70 years old. He's been coaching 26 years. Oh, and the guy has beaten cancer three times. Recently, he had a bicycle accident and uh, he seriously injured his hip. So he's been struggling with some of the health problems from that. So he just decided that he was going to call it a career. No immediate word of a replacement, but I guess I think they're, uh, one of their assistant coaches um, is going to take over, and that'll be all right. But the reason I'm bringing up Jim Calhoun's retirement is not because of his success at the collegiate level, not because he's won three national championships, not for any other reason, because after all, this is the Michael Groff Show, and while I do talk sports on this show, the real reason that I bring up his retirement is because well, he provided one of the greatest rants that we ever played on this show. So it was about four years ago, and Jim Calhoun is doing a post-game press conference, and the economy was just starting its major downturn, and it came out that Jim Calhoun was like the highest paid state employee in Connecticut. He was making millions of dollars a year. I think the initial report was $1.5 million, but he claimed that he made a lot more than that. So he's the highest paid state employee and a reporter decides, some young punk reporter decides to ask him if he plans on giving any of that money back given the difficult economic times that are going on. And as a result of this, hilarity ensues and it sounds a little something like this. Coach, uh, considering that you're the highest paid state employee and there's a $2 billion budget deficit, yep. do you think that's... Not a dime back. Not a dime back. Not a dime back. I'd like to be able to retire someday. Okay, I'm getting okay, tired. 1.6 million is enough? I'm sorry? 1.5 million? I make a lot more than that. You do? Yeah. What's the, uh, what's your... What's the, what's the take tonight? I, I don't know. What's the deal with Comcast work? You're not really that stupid, are you? Yeah, I am. Okay. No, My best advice to you? Yeah. Shut up. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. You're welcome. It's very polite. No, it wasn't playing. I like how you shut up. This is like, if you want to talk to me outside, I'm more than happy to talk to you. We talk about if basketball. If you guys covered this stuff, I wouldn't have to do it. Oh, get yeah. up. Get up. Will you please? I'm quite frankly, we bring in $12 million to the university. Nothing to do with state funds. We make $12 million a year for this university. Get some facts and come back and see me. Get some facts and come back and see me. Don't throw out salaries or other things. Get some facts and come back and see me. We turn over over $12 million to the University of Connecticut, which is state-run. Next question. 
<laughs> that is the greatest. I love that. I love that. That is one of my favorite rants of all time, and Jim Calhoun provided that. So, of course, when he retired, uh, we had to uh, we had to resurrect that. My favorite part of that is, uh, you're not really that stupid, are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then even the other reporters turn on this guy in the room when, uh, you know... Uh, he says, uh, "Well, if these guys would cover this, I don't. I wouldn't have to." Oh man, come on, come on, man! What is that guy's name? That that reporter, that Krasik or something like Krasik is his last name, something like that. I, I remember. So that's uh, one of the best meltdowns, one of the best post game press conferences, and I, I think Jim Calhoun was mostly uh, mostly okay with that. By the way, reportedly today when he gave his uh, his farewell press conference. To announce his retirement, he didn't have any kind of uh, incident like that. I think he's calmed down a little bit since four years ago. All right. Well, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, um, so now if you're a drunk, the police might be able to spot you with a new type of technology. No longer do they need the breathalyzer or administer a blood test. They can just point a machine at you and based on infrared technology, they can tell if you're wasted or not. A new use for old technology could give police a hand in spotting drunks in public. In a paper that was published in the International Journal of Electronic Security and Digital Forensics, Greek scientists Georgia Kukiu and Vasilis Antaspolis are developing new algorithms that will gather data about blood vessels on a subject's face. The rosy red glow that alcohol gives uh, to drinkers is really blood vessels dilating in the skin surface, which changes the temperature of the person's face. Thermal imaging devices can detect these changes. What Kukiu and, and Astaspolis uh, propose is taking that information and then running it through a comparison of thermal images, thermal images scans of drunk and sober individuals. Another algorithm they came up with is to map the person's face and when a drinking person's nose becomes warmer as their forehead becomes cooler, uh, they can also, that way, you know, they'll be able to tell if they're drunk that way as well. So the paper recommends that this type of technology can be used by police departments. Obviously, this isn't the first time that such technology has been used. Back in 2003, they used it uh, for the SARS epidemic. Thermal imaging was used to detect infection. So a new way to catch drunk people by the police. No more breathalyzer. You don't need that anymore. You don't even need uh, a blood test. We've got something even better. And here's reason number 1,746 that I will not be living in New York City. And probably why I won't even go there. Three people were injured in a stabbing on the escalator of a subway station in Queens Wednesday morning. Apparently what happened was there was, it was, you know, during rush hour and somebody just bumped into a lady on the subway, and she just went nuts. Earlier reports indicated as many as seven people were stabbed. An MTA spokesman said that Dinah St. Fleur, 25, slashed at least two people after getting into a dispute on a J train around 8.45 a.m. The argument continued while they were riding the escalator on the way up to the street. Somebody named Princess Aesop, 24, Antoine Roddy, 34, and Andres Nova, 42, were injured in the attack. Rodney and Aesop are a couple. 
Um, the arguing was uh, this woman was on the train. Nova fell during the incident on the escalator, and his injuries uh, have come to the result uh, have come as a result of the fall. Basically, the woman bumped into uh, somebody bumped into the woman. She just decided to go bananas. I tell you, we played the audio once of, of someone just going nuts and screaming on a subway and people just stand there and they're quiet. They don't say a damn word as someone is just sitting there screaming and just going crazy, like just having a, 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 like an episode on a subway, just like a, a psychotic episode. New Yorkers will just stand there because if you say something to that person, they might have a knife on them. They might just pull it out and they might just slash you to death. That's what happens. Uh, just another reason why New York is not for me. I bump into everybody. I hate, first of all, I hate enclosed small spaces. I hate uh, crowds, something that New York has in spades on both accounts. So you'll, you'll never catch me there. Not on a, and especially not on a sub. Are you kidding? Oh, and, and here's something that didn't necessarily come to the attention of a lot of people, but uh, now it's come to light that during the Democratic National Convention, a retired four-star uh, Navy officer uh, took to the stage to pay tribute to veterans. And behind him on the screen, they had this big, uh, the, these four hulking warships. So he gave this rousing patriotic speech. He has these big ships on the screen behind him. The problem was that the, the backdrop, yeah, those are Russian warships. <laughs> While retired Admiral John, John Nathman, who's a former commander of the Fleet Forces Command, Honored vets as America's best, the ship from the Russian Federation Navy were arrayed like sentinels on the big screen above. <laughs> it's a good thing this wasn't 1980. That would have ended Barack Obama's career right there. Like, had that happened, had Jimmy Carter done that, Reagan, well, Reagan wound up winning anyway, but I mean, Reagan would have won so easily. That would, it would have been over right there. These were the very Soviet-era combatants that Nathan and, and Cold Warriors like him, had once squared off against. Quote, the ships are definitely Russian, said noted naval author Norman Palmer after reviewing high-resolution photos from the event. There's no question of that in my mind. Hey, look, I mean, the Democratic National Convention, I mean, listen, what difference? Russian, American, British, from the 15th century, the 20th century, I mean, who really cares? Whatever. All right, we got to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have more of this nonsense. We have the Michael Groff Show stupid news file that we have to get to. And that includes an update on the GoDaddy incident from the other day. You remember GoDaddy uh, went down due to a hacker. Well, they, they figured out exactly what went wrong and what happened. And without giving too much away, when they made their statement that nobody's personal information was compromised, they were correct. I will say that. So we'll update you on that story, plus just more stupid news. And... A new feature on the program. I'm very happy to roll out the worst song of the week. We take a look at some of the new releases. We take a look at some of the stuff that's come out in the last month or two. And then uh, we just play for you one of the worst songs that's come out recently. We call it the worst song of the week. That is in addition to the pop chart segment, which I think we're going to do. I don't know. I think we'll do that tomorrow. Sounds good. We're just playing it by ear. I don't know, man. All right, that's all coming up. And of course, a whole lot more. Whatever's on your mind too. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Graff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F -F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. MichaelGraff.com for everything else Michael Graff related. 
This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. We'll be back. Broadcasting legend Casey Kasem has heard one too many long-distance dedications. We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a f***ing up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is god, last goddamn time. I want somebody who uses f***ing brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a f***ing dog dying. Hi, this is Casey Kasem. American Top 40 has moved to a new time. I hope you'll join me this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at 2. 2? What the hell's going on here? Jeez, well, isn't it the last hour? We got another hour to do? Jeez, I thought we were almost finished. Good golly, Miss Molly. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. You're listening to the always ponderous, Michael Groff.
segment number three. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Thursday, September 13th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com. Email Groff Show on GTalk. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. You know, while you're at the one and only MichaelGroff.com, you can make donations to this program. Hint, hint. Yes, donate to this program. Keep us on the air. Keep us up and going. I know, I know. Where was I the last year? Look, folks, uh, it's because I didn't get donations. That's the real reason behind my absence. I need donations to keep this show going. Many hands make a heavy workload light. What else here? Oh, man. Still so, so much stuff to get to, including the Michael Groff Show's stupid news file. Now, those of you that were affected by the GoDaddy outage that happened the other day, I'm sure you didn't think of it as stupid news at the time. Some people really lost some big bucks as GoDaddy's servers were down for quite a, quite a while, actually, uh, 12 hours or so. And initially, the reports were that GoDaddy got hacked. And that was their initial finding or their initial statement is that they got hacked. And then they assured everybody that, hey, by the way, just so you guys know, no one's personal information was ever at risk. No credit card information, home addresses or any of that of the sort was ever at risk. Well, it turns out they're right because, um, well, what really happened was that GoDaddy didn't get hacked at all their servers just went down. They just, they had some kind of internal server malfunction. And you know what that really means? Somebody over there at GoDaddy just stepped on a switch on one of the surge protectors. Some guy sitting at his workstation just kicked one of those switches on the surge protector. Look, we've all done it. We've all been sitting at a desk working at our cubicle or working in our, at our workstation someplace. You've got all those cords under there. You've got like your three monitors and all your computers going and you step on the switch and boom, everything goes off and you just lost your entire work day. And somebody at GoDaddy did that. In fact, to back up that statement, here's exactly what's written or was written regarding the incident on GoDaddy's site. I'm reading it directly of their site. Yesterday, GoDaddy.com and many of our customers experienced intermittent service outages starting shortly after 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Service was fully restored by 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. The service, service outage was not caused by external influences. It was not a hack, and it was not a denial-of-service attack. We have determined that the service outage was due to a series of internal network events that corrupted router data tables. Once the issues were identified, we took we took corrective actions to restore services for our customers and GoDaddy.com. We have implemented measures to prevent this from occurring again. At no time was any customer data at risk or were any of our systems compromised. Throughout our history, we have provided 99.999% uptime in our DNS infrastructure. This is the level our customers expect from us and the level we expect of ourselves. We have let our, we have let our customers down and we know it. We take our business 
and our customer business very seriously. We apologize for our customers, uh, to our customers for those events, and thank you for your patience, Scott Wagner, Code uh, GoDaddy CEO. So there you go. That was the statement. So in other words, a series of internal events. Somebody stepped on a on one of the switches and knocked a couple of the computers out, and that that'll corrupt some tables. That'll corrupt corrupt some router tables. That's exactly what happened over there at GoDaddy. So. You have some uh, some lazy jackass or some klutzy jackass to blame for the outage. They say it was only six hours, but um, many people report as many as 12 hours worth of downtime. So that was the real issue behind GoDaddy. So no, it wasn't a hack. It was just complete incompetence. <laughs> Glad to know that incompetence could very well take down the Internet at some point. So, oh, you know, we talked about the teacher strike the other day and, and somebody asked me on Messenger about it, uh, if there's more details or if I could provide more details of what they were looking for, because I did mention that I would, if I found more information, I would provide for you more information as to why it is that the teachers are going on strike. And I did find more stuff. I found more of their demands. So, you know, the Chicago teacher strike in its fourth day, what are the teachers demanding there? Well, I, I have it here. Let me see. I put it in my notes. So we all, well, one of their points is pay fairness. CTU, the Chicago Teachers Union, seeks a fair distribution of pay, i.e. higher compensation for teachers. They already were getting that in the deal. They're getting a 16% pay increase. Apparently, that's not enough. 16%, not enough. They need more. Uh, they also want to preserve the schedule for career advancement established 45 years ago of the union's first labor contract. Okay. Protection of benefits. Maintain our existing benefits and sick days without increasing the con contribution rate. How much teachers have to pay out of pocket for health care. All right. Fair evaluation procedure. This is the sticking point for me. The Chicago Public Schools proposed evaluation procedures could result in 6,000 teachers or nearly a third of all CPS teachers facing discharge within one to two years. It places too much emphasis on standardized test scores, which diminishes children's education and punishes teachers unfairly. In other words, teachers' performance will be judged by standardized test scores. What the hell is wrong with that? Now, I'm not saying that should be the only criteria that determines whether or not a teacher stays or goes. But why not use that as at least some type of base measurement? Look, you have to have some type of performance evaluation for a teacher. If a teacher continues to turn out F student after F student after F student, I mean, how long is it the student's fault? At some point, the teacher also needs to be held accountable. And yes, I know people are going to say, well, what about the parents, Mike? Yeah, we all know. There's a bunch of incompetent parents. There's a bunch of parents that, you know, should have uh, should have kept their legs closed. We, we get it. I know. But the problem is they didn't. We now have the children. We have to take care of those children. So what do we do? We have to have the best of the best teaching them. We have to have competent teachers. We have to have a good administration that actually, you know, handles disciplinary issues. We have to go back to basics in our school system. We have to hold parents accountable. We have to hold administrators accountable. And we have to hold teachers accountable. If I had, if, if the students had the kind of math teacher I had in, uh, in junior year uh, high school or senior year of high school, Mr. Myers, if they have somebody that says to you, if you don't get this, you're a freaking moron. And that guy is allowed to stay there. 
and he uh, you know makes fun of your of your visual impairment. If you have somebody like that as a teacher, then I got to tell you, um, that's a terrible teacher. And that teacher should not retain their job. But of course, according to the teachers union, oh, well, that's just an isolated incident. If if the teacher tells the students that half of them will fail his his class, that is not a student that's not a teacher that should be uh, involved with students. That is not somebody that should be teaching a class. Never. Under any circumstances. Oh, I had some bad teachers in the public education system. Not many, a few. But the, one, the, the bad ones were bad. What else do they want? They want teacher training. Chicago Public Schools is imposing a new curriculum at all school and strict evaluation system. Uh, teachers have asked for more training, but CPS proposes no increase or in some cases decreased teacher training. All right. Well, listen. Uh, okay, I get it. You want more training. That's, that seems reasonable. Timetable for air conditioning. Now, this is one point where the teachers, they've got them. Teachers insist that Chicago public schools agree to a reasonable timetable to install air conditioning in student classrooms. In July and August, students sit in sweltering 90 to 98 degree heat. In case you're wondering what students are doing in a classroom during the summer, Chicago has implemented year-round public schools. Yeah. That's that's some horse crap. Now I can't imagine there's a building in Chicago that doesn't have air conditioning, but I guess there probably there probably is. They figure, hey, it's only warm like a couple months of the year. Why bother putting in air conditioners? Uh, a concept I've never understood, but I guess there are probably some buildings in the old parts of Chicago that are like that. So that's what the teachers are demanding. I agree with them on the air conditioners. I'm okay with uh, with air conditioners. Uh, training, that's fine. Health benefits, fine. Pay more, more pay increase. You're already being offered 16%. 16% is more than fair. Get over it. And, oh, my God, you're actually going to be based on how you're, you know, you're going to be graded at least in part on how your students do. That's part of your evaluation. Oh, God, that's so horrible. I could probably solve this strike in about two seconds if they just let me get over there. Sure, they wouldn't want me anywhere near it, but I, I would solve it like a la Ronald Reagan. I just threaten to fire everybody. I don't know. I, it worked for the uh, airline strike back in the 80s. Ronald Reagan just said, all right, well, then you're all going to get fired and we'll just bring in new people. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> I'm sure there, there's a whole lot of displaced people right now. I mean, probably hire some new teachers. I don't know. Could they do any worse? We're already like 20th in math and science. I mean, how much worse could it get? All right, to the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. More out of that. Uh, let's see. Oh, I love stories like this. This is great. An Auburn psychic is facing a lawsuit from a dissatisfied customer who claims that she bilked him out of more than $30,000 while claiming to pray for his relatives. Abraham Char contends that a woman identified in court papers only as Mama Tanya tricked him into providing her with thousands of dollars prior to, to uh, the loan. Char's attorney said in the civil court complaint that the woman gained Char's trust and abused it during uh, 2010 and 2011. Quote, Mama Tanya wrongfully induced Abraham Char to provide her <laughs> with monies in return for his for her representation that she would pray for his relatives claimed by her to be suffering 
Attorney Charles S. Hamilton III told the court. Contacted Tuesday, the woman's attorney, Anthony DiPiero, flatly denied the allegations of fraud and disputed basic claims in the lawsuit. Quote, my client is a spiritual healer and uses her abilities to aid others in obtaining the positive spiritual energy necessary to help themselves with certain crises in their lives, DiPiero said. He also took issue with the moniker Mama Tanya, which he contends uh, was a name given by uh, Mr. Char. And the attorney declined to give his client's real name, of course, because, you know, as soon as she does, her business is done. She built him out of $30,000 in cash. I mean, how, first of all, how nutty and how lunatic, how gullible, naive, whatever, how, how crazy do you have to be to trust a psychic in the first place? But never mind a psychic, okay? Uh, a psychic that can claim to talk to your dead relatives and talk to them and, and claim that they're in pain. Oh, your relatives are in pain. But if you give me $1,500 or $3,000, I will... I mean, really? You know, she had some crazy accent of some type. I will hear your relatives. Sure you will. Sure you will, Dracula. Don't worry about a thing. The psychic promised Char would be able to reclaim the money at any time, Hamilton contended. But she said since she uh, since uh, the, the request was ignored, repeated requests to return... Uh, Char's money, and uh, so he's not going to get it back. I don't know. I, I don't know. Look, as soon as I see a psychic fraud case, if I were a judge and I saw a fraud case against a psychic, I'd be like, all right, you win. Because, well, a fraud case against a psychic is like an automatic. You know, it'd be like you wheel in... <laughs> You wheel in a blind guy who is driving a car and you say, well, is he guilty? Well, yeah, he's a blind guy. He shouldn't be driving a car. A fraudulent psychic. Okay, well, what else do you got? <laughs> then again, I mean, at, at some point, at some point, is there going to be responsibility put on somebody who goes to a psychic and... and loses all their money. I mean, at some point, wouldn't a judge just say, look, do you think somebody can really t talk to your dead relatives? Do you think there are people out there that are like John Edwards that can really talk to the dead and know anything about you based on, you know, talking to the dead? Of course there's not. Nobody can talk to the dead. And until somebody can prove that they can, and until somebody crosses over and talks to us, or until somebody can legitimately prove that this is some kind of actual operation that can occur. It's all fraudulent. There are some people that can do some pretty spectacular things, uh, but talking to the dead is not one that can be proven. These are people that take advantage of someone's weakness. These are people that take advantage of somebody who, whose relatives have probably recently died, just like that John Edwards guy and, and others. They, they see somebody. And I remember I watched that show crossing over with John Edwards. They see some, some poor bastard that comes up on stage. And they're like, and, and the guy is crying like Glenn Beck. And they're like, my, um, 
my father recently passed away and um, you know I'm just really heartbroken by it and the audience ah oh. and John listen and John Edwards of course you know he takes the guy's hand look listen um, I can talk to him and we can find out well I never got to say goodbye and uh, uh, look we had a fight and I, I just um, I really I want to tell him I love him and I'm sorry and, and I just I want to be able to talk to him one more time I want to tell him goodbye and and so John Edwards, you know, he'll be, all right. And then he does some voodoo thing and he just starts talking to him. He's like, your father is a great man. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he knows how you feel and he loves you very much. That's the kind of show that it is. Or it's one of those where, you know, you, you just go up to some random person in the audience. I uh, see somebody that has passed on to the other side that was a big influence in your life. Oh my God, yes! Really? All right, and this person was a woman. Yeah. And um, she wore clothes sometimes. Oh my God, she did. She did wear clothes. And she had something. I want to say something shiny sometimes. Yeah, she always wore a watch. Yeah, a watch, exactly. That's what I was I was envisioning, a watch or a bracelet or a brooch, but I knew it was a watch. Yes, yes. And, uh, and yeah, and she would wind it. Yeah, and, and, yep, and it was, had a, a nice, it was diamond, and it had a, you know, she would wind it up. I mean, are you kidding with this garbage? People would buy that, too. People... Poor bastards that lose relatives and lose loved ones. They lose their husband or wife or their kids. And they're at their most vulnerable state. And then somebody goes on TV or they, they go to some psychic, maybe not even on TV. And, and that person, and I realize you have to be smarter than that. You have to know. But, you know, these people, they, they see them coming, man. These guys are vultures. And I'm not saying it should be against the law. I'm just saying that it's come on. You know that it's unscrupulous. You know it's immoral. You know that it is just fraudulent to represent yourself in that way. Maybe actually it should be against the law. I mean, fraud is against the law. Something like that should be against the law. I rescind that previous sentence. That should be against the law. Absolutely. Well, it's fraud. Now, if you're one of those people that, like, now, if you ever watch late, late at night on TV, they have these psychic lines. And, uh, you know, in the old days, they didn't say this, but now, of course, it just it, in, in fairly big letters for entertainment purposes only. So you can't turn around and sue Miss Cleo or whoever else, whatever the, the thing that they advertise. You can't go around and sue those people now. But these people, this is like a private person who stole $30,000 from this poor bastard. How embarrassing is that to you go to a lawyer? Man... If I had $30,000 to spend, I can tell you the very last place on planet Earth I would ever go is in front of a psychic. <laughs> and then the guy is surprised when she didn't return the money and when, you know. Well, you know, I, I, have, I have prayed for your family. They are healed. Okay, sure they are. All right, folks, we have a brand new feature on the program. Before we get out of here, a brand new feature that I want to roll out. Something exciting and new. Um, as you know, we do the pop chart segment on this show and, and we're going to continue to do that. Don't worry, that hasn't gone by the wayside. But in addition to that, now I bring you something new and exciting. It is the worst song of the week. Hey! 
Yes. Where we take a look at uh, a song that has either recently gotten onto the chart or something that I've run across and maybe it's only a couple months old or a few months old and it's just, uh, it's a song that, you know, maybe maybe it's not necessarily on the pop chart or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a rock song or a hip hop or it's some kind of song that's fairly recent and uh, it's just, it's just God awful. And somehow people are listening to it and somehow people are buying it and somehow this should be fraud, actually. So uh, we have the worst song of the week and this week, and judge for yourself. Now, I uh, in advance, I'm going to apologize for the poor audio quality of this. Not just the audio quality because the song sucks, but it's actually, you know, not at the highest bit rate possible uh, for your ears. So uh, I do apologize for that. But here we go. The worst song of the week here on the Michael Groff Show for this week is something by a group called Boys Noise. And the song is called XTC. And when I tell you this is the worst song, it, it really is. All it is, well, you'll hear. This is all it is for about five minutes when it gets to the, <clears throat> quote, lyrics. noise in the background is hurting my ears. The whole thing is hurting my ears. Isn't that awful? saying ecstasy 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 one for me isn't this the worst thing you've ever heard honestly that's all this does for uh, four minutes 37 seconds I was out with the family the other night and and you know we went to this pizza place by my house and then afterwards we stop at this little dive bar it's right down the street and uh, they have a jukebox in there. And every time, you know, people have the worst taste in music in general. I, I, I contend this. Um, only my taste in music is any good. And like two other people. Anyway, um, but they, they, they put on this music that is just god awful in the bar. But no matter what they put on, like they put on the doors and garbage like that. And then like some country crap. Billy Ray Cyrus and uh, Johnny Cash and that garbage. Anyway, if this came on, I'd just get up and leave. 
I never got this far into the song. I never listened this far. I heard about I heard about 45 seconds and said this is definitely the winner for worst song of the week. We went went through quite a few songs. I went through uh, I don't know a couple dozen songs that came out in the last couple weeks. So anyway, there you go. Uh, there's no need to continue that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, that is indeed the worst song of the week. Dispute it. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I, I'm, I got a headache now. I got to get out of here. I got to go take some head, headache meds. I'm not kidding. I'm not doing shtick. My head really hurts after that. My ears hurt. I think I'm rolling the clothes music. I can't really tell. My ears are ringing from that. Ecstasy. One for me. That's what we use on uh, people in Al- in Al-Qaeda, right? We use that at Gitmo. <laughs> we, we use that as an interrogation tactic. Ecstasy. One for me. Holy buckets. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Thank you. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name, Michael Groff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show to this, the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. On Google Talk, if you happen to have G-Talk, it's uh, Groff Show. All right. Um, what else? What else? What else? EFNet IRC, the channel net radio, and any other contact information relevant and germane to this program, you know, you can find it at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Uh, while you're at michaelgroff.com, by the way, I do suggest you give uh, some donations to this program. You, you know, you can. You can donate to us over there. Um, or, you know, click on the ads that run on there. Because, you know, I, I do have a Google AdSense account. And, you know, that, that helps out too. But just making a donation to our PayPal is awesome as well. Very much appreciated. You can also sign up and get subscribed so that every time there's a brand new podcast, you'll get an email, you'll get a notification saying, Hey! New podcast, bitch! So check that out. And... Um, what else? You can leave comments on the site about this show or any other show from the past. You can browse through a lot of old episodes. So much stuff to do and see. I mean, it's like a carnival. It's a playground at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. We'll be back again tomorrow, I guess. We're going to take a look at the pop chart. That'll be our next show. We got we got to do that. Speaking of awful music, I hope that song does not make it onto the pop chart. Ecstasy. Uh. Good Lord. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, I need I need meds.